right, hello and welcome to the Middle East Forums webinar series, Israel Insider with Ashley Perry. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are pleased to have Mr. Ashley Perry, advisor to the Middle East Forums Israel office, join us here each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern to update us on all the events going on in Israel. Mr. Perry will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type out your question. And now, with no further ado, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Ashley Perry. Thank you very much, Stacey, and uh, good evening, Israel. Uh, a dramatic day, not wholly unexpected, uh, but today uh, the Knesset voted to, uh, on a preliminary meeting to disperse itself, uh, something that uh, I predicted here at least uh, two uh, webinars ago. Um, the question is, what does this mean? Where do we go from here? Who's at fault? First of all, what it means is that we are now uh, on a, in a process uh, where the Knesset disperses itself. It hasn't yet. This is a preliminary reading. It still has to go through three more re three readings. This is just a preliminary reading. It's not official reading because it's a, it was an opposition law uh bill let's say hasn't become law yet uh which was uh, raised actually there was four law, uh, four bills today um the two that passed i believe were by yesha to the merits the ones that didn't pass were by the joint arab list and yamina uh but it doesn't really matter as long as one passes and uh the vote was 61 to 54. now the reason that it passed today quite simply was because uh benny gets blue and white across the aisle and voted with the opposition, um, as he said he would yesterday, um, and everyone else in the coalition voted uh, against it. Um, the could certainly did. Uh, Netanyahu. There were scenes of Netanyahu and Gad sitting next to each other as they do in the Knesset. They were not making eye contact. They were not even looking in each other's direction. It was a moment of high tension. Uh, basically, everyone voted, or almost everyone voted who could. There's some people who are in isolation because of Corona. The most interesting part of it was that uh, the ones who absented themselves was a party in the journalist uh, called Ram, which is the Islamist party, which is the religious Muslim uh, Arab party. Uh, recently, there's been uh, quite a lot of talk uh, because the leader of that party, Mansour Abbas, uh, has recently seemed to get quite close to Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Likud and voted with or at least abstained and given them uh, the breathing space they needed on quite a few issues of concern. Now, there's been a lot of talk about this. Is this change in the opposition, which has always been uh, you know, in opposition to almost everyone, uh, whichever the government is, but certainly uh, to the right. Um, but there is uh, Mansour Abbas has come out and said, I'm going to put my community first. And what we've seen is Netanyahu has certainly paid um, uh, for these favors, one could argue, because he started to distribute uh, budgets to the Arab community that we haven't seen in many years. He himself at attended uh, for the first time in almost a decade, I think, uh, a, a meeting on uh, on, on issues in the Arab uh, community. Uh, one of the big issues in the Arab community is uh, violence within the community. There's been a lot of uh, killings there recently. And they, they, the Arab community seeks a lot of budget to try and quell this and combat this. 
And Netanyahu himself turned up and said that he's going to give a lot of money, a big budget, so suddenly uh, the government's going to decide whether to do so. Uh, some of the Arab parties believe that it's just bribery, blackmail, uh, and they've even heard these promises before, which is true. Netanyahu has made these promises before and never fulfilled them. But why this is important is because every vote counts. The margins are very tight. They're going to be tight for every single reading uh, of the dispersal of the Knesset. And just as importantly, if not even more so, there's going to be votes on when uh, the elections will take place. Now, why is that important? We, we've got to look at a few different uh, crocs. You know, we talked a lot since the beginning of the, in fact, I think since the beginning of this Israel Insider series, how much of what goes on today in Israel is according to Netanyahu's legal clock. And Netanyahu's legal clock is absolutely essential. As Gantz is, uh, want to say these days, he said if there was no uh, trial, there would be a budget. Um, so that has to be uh, looked at very carefully. Where, where we are today is if no budget is passed by December 23rd, then we go for immediate elections according to the law, and the elections are set in stone uh, three months from that point, which is March 23rd. No one gets a decision, no one gets to vote. That is when the elections are, according to Israel's quasi-constitution, if no budget is passed, exactly three months away. Now, if there is a vote to disperse the Knesset, you have up to five or six months to choose a date. Now, why is that crucial? Because for Prime Minister Netanyahu, who admittedly wants elections just as much as Gantz at this point, uh, what he wants to do, first of all, is to show that he doesn't want elections, and he came out tonight fighting, saying we can still step back from the brink, Benny Gantz, you know, that, that everything can happen, and trying to look like he was extending the olive branch, but as I said, he he's the one who instigated this process by not working towards a budget, by basically breaking almost every promise in the uh, in the uh, coalition agreements, et cetera, et cetera. Netanyahu's been looking for a way out of this. Benny Gantz gave it to him. We'll discuss about that in a minute. But what's important is Netanyahu would like the elections to be uh, uh, as far away as possible, as far back, I think, the latest they can be, because this process will now could take a few weeks, and I think Gantz will want to stretch it out to give Netanyahu a chance to climb down. I don't think he'll necessarily take it. But he wants to stretch it out just in case Gantz still believes perhaps there is some possibility of working this, this situation out. But why is it important to extend the, uh, the campaign as long as possible and have the elections as late as possible? Because Netanyahu is relying on a probable batch of vaccines coming, uh, coronavirus vaccines, and then the situation, the atmosphere in the country changes. He can say he's the redeemer of Israel, he's the savior of Israel, et cetera, et cetera. In March, elections take place. The likelihood is, uh, like many countries around the world, waiting for vaccines, uh, by March, probably no more than a few hundred thousand, at best, will be vaccinated. Um, so we'll kind of, you know, it, it won't be the mass vaccination. In May, or maybe June, uh, there's a very strong chance that much greater numbers. And the greater numbers there are. Netanyahu's game is to try, is, is to not give uh, Gantz, um, is to try and push him along as quickly as possible, ahead of the, the date of the 23rd, uh, to make sure that the uh, government falls not because of the budget, but because uh, of uh, they voted for Knesset, but he obviously doesn't want to look like he wants it, so he votes against it. But um, that, that's kind of that's kind of the game. Now, the question that uh, is asked is, what does Benny Gantz have to gain from it? Every single poll 
shows him anything from his current uh, seats around 15, I believe, uh, anything from seven to 10, uh, ostensibly being cut in half or at least a third, uh, two thirds uh, of their current uh, number of seats. So the situation is this, I was in the Knesset today and uh, I met with actually a few uh, blue and white uh, members of Knesset and there's a real, real disagreement there. Blue and white, as we know, is a party which has some relatively left-wing members and some relatively right-wing members. And they disagree on quite a lot of issues. Most parties do, but this is a new party. Let's just say Benny Gantz hasn't really been able to get a hold on his party as well as some more established leaders have. And so you have a lot of disagreements today. There was a massive disagreement because one of the more right-wing elements, uh, Omi Yankilevich, in fact, it happened yesterday or the day before, she uh, tweeted and went on a, uh, she went on a, would use the word rant, but she went on the whole thing about the unauthorized outposts. These are settlements which are not authorized by Israel. And she said that they should be legalized. Now that's quite a right-wing position. There are other members of the party, Isha Shai and others, who basically represent a far more left-wing approach and said that absolutely not, we should have nothing to do with them. They're illegal, and they should be dismantled. Um, there was a lot of disagreement about that. And basically what we see in blue and white today is two, perhaps even three camps. Benny Gantz has almost lost control of his party. And there was a threat that if he did not support Yeshatid's um, uh, preliminary reading to discuss the Knesset, they will then consider themselves in the opposition and they will vote against the government and maybe even the party and form their own unit. So Gantz was also in his own party. The second reason why he decided to go for it is because there are so many times where he's given Netanyahu chance after chance after chance. And he has now realized what many other Israelis believed and understood that Netanyahu never had any intention, never has any intention of handing Gantz uh, the prime ministerial keys, the keys to Balfour, which is prime minister's residence, in a year which is according to the coalition agreement. So he has very little to lose. So at least maybe he can go out by saying that I stood up to Netanyahu when push came to shove. I, I stood my ground and uh, I, I decided the best thing is to break up this government. It's, it's, it's a difficult case to make, but it's probably easier than being uh, messed around for another few months and basically just going to elections uh, when Netanyahu decides to do it. Um, so probably it, it's a bit of a gamble. Um, it, it remains to be seen what's happening. Of course, as Israelis uh, media loves to do, they put out a poll tonight. The polls are remarkably different from previous polls. They could uh, 29, I think Yamina 23, uh, Yeshatid, I think also in the latest. But what was interesting is then they introduced into a second poll, a new party, which has certainly hasn't been declared, led by former chief of staff, Gadi Eisenkot, with uh, Tel Aviv mayor, uh, Ron Khodai, who said that he will be joining politics in the next elections and even former foreign minister, Tzipi Livni. And according to the poll, which included this party, that, part, uh, that party was to get 15 seats. <clears throat> that certainly shakes things up. That takes quite a lot from quite a few uh, parties. But what it does do, interestingly, is it creates something which arguably is a Netanyahu's worst nightmare, is an anti-Netanyahu block. Because if you take Netanyahu out, you take the ultra-Orthodox parties, which are his most loyal and natural partners. You take out the Arab list and even merits. So you have uh, uh, Yamina 
uh, Victor Lehman's Yeshua Beitenu, Benny is blue and white, Yeshatid, uh, Gaddy Eisenkot's party. You have at least 61 seats. I think I did the maths and I think it's exactly 61 seats. And that means there is an alternative. Now that's quite an unwieldy group, you know, people from the, uh, let's just say left center all the way to the far right. Um, would they come together? Would that be a natural partnership? Would that just be a way of getting Netanyahu out? But the fact is that there is a number and there is an alternative. So that is something which may worry uh, Netanyahu. And uh, again, it's, 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 it's about the date now. It's about how long you can hold on. Netanyahu, as I said, gave a whole speech about how well he's doing, as is his want to talk about how well he's doing with peace. Security, he alluded um, to uh, many things, not really in case anyone asks, but he didn't allude or mention anything about the assassination of the Iranian nuclear scientist. And before anyone asked the question, no, Israel has not take, uh, laid claim to it. No, I do not have any inside information on it. Um, but uh, he, he basically gave a whole list of his accomplishments. The one word which every single Israeli commentator pointed out that was missing from his speech is the budget. The budget is the key because that is that has basically been the demonstration that Netanyahu never really intended uh, to continue this coalition because the budget is the one way he could get out of handing the keys to Balfour uh, to Benny Gantz if the coalition fell. And the fact is the day after, hours after Benny Gantz uh, said that he will vote uh, uh, for the dispersal of the Knesset, suddenly Finance Minister Katz laid out a plan on the timetable of how not only the budget for 2020, but 2021 will be laid out, which is too much of a coincidence to say the least. So there's a lot of moving parts going on. It's not inconceivable that uh, we may back away from the brink. Uh, it could be uh, something will be offered. Uh, apparently the talk is that uh, Netanyahu is prepared to offer Gantz a lot uh, to stay in the government with one condition that he drops um, the condition to uh, replace him in a year and even apparently Justice Minister Nissenkorn will have to leave his position because that's really uh, someone who's caused a lot of problems for Liquid. Um, that's obviously a non-starter with, uh, with Gantz, but one never knows. Also, we must remember in 2012, that after the first reading uh, in the Knesset for the dispersal uh, of the Knesset, we suddenly had the shock move of bringing Shaul Mufaz's Kadima at the time into the coalition, which created a massive uh, government. Uh, so it's not inconceivable that at any point up until the second and third readings, which should be happen one after the other, there could be some shock announcement. You look around the players on the political map, the likelihood is not, because what we have, his options are really Bennett, uh, who is sitting on five seats and potentially, according to polls, if we go to elections, could get as much as 22. Now, I don't think he'll get 22, but he'll certainly do better than five. The other option potentially is a Victor Liebman, but a Victor Liebman has said many, many times, and I think that relationship is, uh, is, is gone uh, with, with Netanyahu. Uh, so there really isn't much uh, for Netanyahu to do. There's even talk of uh, Mansour Abbas from the Islamist party coming in, but again, let's just talk. And <coughs> in fact, Likud, have, uh, Likud insiders have actually said they'll have to try and distance themselves as much as possible from this new alliance uh, ahead of the election. 
So probably it's unlikely that there'll be this surprise announcement, but one can never rule it out. But it does seem that the clock has started uh, for the fourth elections in a half, and that's really the news of the week. With that, I'm happy to answer questions on this issue or any others. All right, thank you so much. So did the most recent transfer of funds from <laughs> Israel to the PA include the pay to slave portion? Um, yes, it, it basically they, they released the whole amount. Um, I spoke to someone who's, a, who's an expert on this, and it does seem like they, they've tried to find a justification that they said that um, because of the, uh, the bureaucracy, the way it was uh, laid out, that they had to give the full amount now, but they can start with reducing uh, the number um, of funds that uh, the Palestinian Authority gives to, gives to its so-called Martyrs Fund uh, from January. So it remains to be seen what will happen in January, but as much as they gave the budget, uh, the full budget uh, from the last time that they paid uh, the Palestinian Authority the, the, the taxes which it uh, it collects for it, uh, for them, and there was no uh, deduction for the pay for stay program at this point. All right. And does the Palestinian Authority have any type of su succession plan, and who are the individuals most likely to succeed Abbas? question um, because Mahmoud Abbas is not a young man. Um, there, there's a few that certainly see themselves. Uh, Dahlan is one. Uh, there's a few others within Fatah. There is no direct succession plan to the best of my knowledge. Um, I'm not an expert on internal Palestinian affairs so I, I can't read off a host of names um, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who would uh, like to see themselves in that position um, but I have no further knowledge of that at this time. And is there any connection between the Muslim party and the Knesset and militant Islam? Not really. Um, I mean, they're, they're a legitimate democratic party. They take a, there's, there's three main factions within the, uh, within the joint Arab list that always used to run separately. There's the nationalist Arab party uh, that's Ahmed Tibi's party. There's the Islamist faction, which is uh, Mansour Abbas. And then there's the Communist Party, which actually tends to usually have also an Israeli Jew in it as well. Uh, for many years, they ran separately. But then when the, uh, uh, the threshold was raised, um, they realized that uh, to, to retain their strength, they had to run together. So there's a lot of disagreements within their party. And you, as you can imagine, with three parties, uh, of such varying ideologies, but um, they've worked relatively well together, but there is a lot of anger uh, within the other parties over what Mansour Abbas is doing. Uh, they threatened, there's, there's a lot of threats to kick him out, but he does uh, represent a sizable community. So it remains to be seen whether they will do. It remains to be seen exactly what the level of uh, partnership uh, there is uh, between Netanyahu and Mansour Abbas. Uh, how far it goes, what each side is prepared to do for each other. Uh, and it may be seen whether this is the end of the joint Arab list. I think um, the threats are there and there's a lot of anger uh, towards Abbas over what he's done. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. Mm -hmm. Along those lines, how many seats does the Islamist party have? The Islamist party has four, I believe, four seats. 
Thank you. That was an easy one. <laughs> so since the polls show the blue and white or blue and white behind in the polls and the right getting a majority, why is Gantz pushing for new elections and how does this benefit him? As I said, I, I really think there are two main reasons why Gantz has to do this now. I said uh, his party is on the verge of disintegration. Uh, the factions are pulling apart. It's a sizable group, I believe, of six or seven MKs who basically threatened that if Gantz does not vote for the dispersal of the Knesset today, uh, they will leave the party. There would be threats whether they would then just see themselves as part of the opposition, uh, they would resign, or they would just completely break away and create a new faction, a new party. Either way, if he didn't vote for it today, he would have been residing over an extremely fractured party. And by the way, it's a party. I was in the Knesset today and they, they had to organize an emergency action meeting uh, because there were so many disagreements amongst themselves. And this was after a decision made, being made by Gantz the day before to vote for the law. So it wasn't even about that. It was about many, many other things. So Gantz really tried to get his, part, his party in line because it's there are so many disagreements. And one of the reasons that there's so many disagreements is quite simply because they know that they're going to elections and a certain amount of the party knows that the, there's a strong likelihood they won't be in the next Knesset. So there's a lot of shopping around uh, for some members of the party to look elsewhere to see maybe they can jump ship to other parties, new parties, new alliances. Uh, and the other reason is quite simply because Gantz has realized what, as I said, most of the rest of the country have realized for a while, that Netanyahu never had any intention of uh, fulfilling any of his commitments, as he hasn't on, with many partners in the time. You can read off a whole list of people that have been his partners that have uh, become extremely disappointed. It took uh, a while. He really did believe that there was, you know, there, there was a point when even Netanyahu wouldn't go. Uh, and he then realized they're going to elections anyway. It looks better for him to go to the polls and say, I stood up and I said enough was enough. I put my foot down and I put the country first. This is the line he's taking. It looks better rather than basically just waiting for Netanyahu uh, to pull the trigger. And, and then he doesn't really have a position, a standing uh, for the rest of uh, the campaign. So what is your best guess for the future of Benny Gantz in Israeli politics? Well, I know uh, that uh, his time, it's only been six months in government, has uh, had its toll on him physically, mentally. He certainly did not expect uh, to be driven through the ringer as he has, uh, largely by Netanyahu. Um, you know, he came with a, a good, honest record, and he basically, any time he wanted to do something, he was basically started. He's shown that he is a little bit out of his depth. I mean, a lot of people went on the breakfast shows this morning. Uh, a lot of Likud members have basically said this is this shows his lack of experience. That this is why he should never be prime minister. To a certain extent, they had a very good point. He has shown that uh, he probably doesn't have what it takes at this point to be prime minister. Um, he will lose, you know, as we see in the polls, he will lose a certain amount of seats to Yashatid or perhaps this new party of Gadi Eisenkot with one uh, called and possibly Tipi Livni and some others. Um, and it seems possibly he may even go the same way as Sharm Mufaz. Sharm Mufaz, again, we talked about him briefly before, but he was someone who rose uh, with Kadima. Kadima was a very large party. And then after one or two elections, he's gone from the map completely. Kadima's completely gone. 
there's a very strong chance, I believe, that blue and white may not be with us uh, in one or two more elections. Uh, as I said, it's, it's a composite of many different uh, ideologies. And Benny Gantz has really struggled to get them all in line and certainly struggled to put his mark uh, on, on this government and this Knesset. And, you know, the argument could be that it's very hard for anyone and the Tinyar is prime minister, but certainly he made it much easier than some of, some of uh, the other political opponents would have. Thank you. So I know we talked a lot about why, why the budget isn't being passed, but what is Netanyahu's given reason for not passing the budget? That's a good thing. As, as I said, he, he gave a whole 15 minute speech today about the situation, about his achievements, and he did not mention once the budget. Um, he claims, basically, we should, we should go back to the uh, original agreement. The coalition agreement basically said that there should be a two-year budget. Netanyahu, as a, an economist, has long been a proponent of a two-year budget to give us stability, to understand what's coming, etc., etc. His argument, uh, as soon as the ink was dry, suddenly there was an argument uh, that uh, we shouldn't have a two-year budget. We need a one-year budget because of coronavirus, because we don't know what's going to be, uh, we, you know, it, it's impossible to look one month in advance, let alone one year in advance. That was the case that he made. But again, even with that in mind, there was no budget even being discussed. And the Director General of the Finance Ministry and the head of the Budgetary Office, they all resigned because they said that we have, every time we've tried to even start on the budget, uh, we were stymied by political forces. Um, basically, he's, he's trying to make the case that we were always working on the budget, and now, we, as we, we, we've, we've heard, the finance minister, now suddenly, out of nowhere, is pulling out a calendar for the passing of the budget. Uh, what probably is happening is they are starting to on a budget, so they can show the Israeli public it's ready. You know, there, there was no problem with the budget by 23rd of December. Gantz decided to pull the rug from underneath us. That's the game, so I understand that the budget is now being worked on, uh, but they're saying that we couldn't pass the budget for 2021 because of the uncertainty, but we still have a calendar for it. We will be able to pass it by February or March, but that again is a bit of a, you know, they tried to pull a fast one because we all know that again, we'll get to this situation March 23rd. If we do manage to, if we were to pass the 2020, 2021 would be an another uh, uh, point for Netanyahu to get out of his agreement uh, with Gantz without handing over the keys to the Prime Minister's office. So Gantz has understood that and uh, that's probably why he's decided to uh, jump before he was pushed. Understood. Um, what are Israel's concerns with Biden's remarks about re-entering the JCPOA with Iran? I mean, there's, there's, there's great concern, and that's probably what was on the agenda last week when uh, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu met with uh, Mohammed bin uh, Salman in, uh, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, there's, there's a great concern about it. Um, you know, there, was, there was certainly a lot of uh, uh, happiness in Israel when uh, President Trump left the JCPOA, and it's, you know, and, and we, 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 we know Netanyahu, and representing most Israelis who believe that the JCPOA was a very bad agreement. Uh, it gives a clear path for the, uh, to the Iranians for a nuclear weapon. Uh, it just delays it, but it still uh, uh, prevents that path. In fact, it just releases sanctions and et cetera, et cetera, but still doesn't prevent nuclear weapons. And that was a major problem for not just Israel, but many of the other uh, 
uh, actors in the region, primarily Saudi Arabia, but some of the other Gulf nations. So the fact that uh, President-elect Biden is thinking about, well, not just thinking, stating that he would like to return to the JCPOA is, is of great concern uh, to Israel and something which uh, I'm sure that they are reaching out and warning against. So what do you believe will be the hardest thing that Prime Minister Netanyahu will have to deal with should, but, should Biden actually become the next US president? Well, certainly, certainly a change in atmosphere uh, between the White House and the Israeli uh, government. Uh, the last four years of President Trump have been very friendly, very close relations. Um, you know, the amount of things that President Trump has done whether recognizing the Golan as part of Israel, recognizing Jerusalem, moving the embassy, leaving the JCPOA, defunding UNRWA, uh, closing uh, the PLO office in Washington, uh, closing the American consulate in Jerusalem, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole sort of list. So it's gonna be, as, as I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, I don't, think, I don't believe it's going back to the, uh, the icy relationship of the Obama years because Biden, is known in Israel. He's known as a friend of Israel. It's a different kind of friendship, uh, but certainly they'll be very wary of Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, because of the relationship under under Obama. Um, so I, I think it'll be somewhere in between. There'll, there'll be a return to the pressure on Israel with the Palestinians. There'll be a return to engagement with Iran. And um, these are things which certainly uh, the Israeli government doesn't uh, look forward to. All right. Well, we have come to the end of our webinar. Ashley, thank you again for taking time to update us this week. Uh, for our viewers, please join us tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern for a webinar with Doug Lamborn and Clifford Smith. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a great day.